Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. All right. Recently, I did an Instagram live with my friend Jen Fugo of the Healthy Skin Show. And it was really because we were having a Voxer. Voxer is like a walkie-talkie app about she was seeing people that are into carnivore. Her question was, do you think that the carnivore diet is more problematic for long-term gastrointestinal health than helpful is what she asked me. And my gut reaction is that the carnivore diet, which is like eating meat only, is a low fiber, aka low carb diet. And the research is really clear on long term low fiber. So couple studies, PMID 299-02436, the impact of dietary fiber on gut microbiota and host health and diseases. Basically, this is a mouse study, but when mice with gut bacteria from a human were put on a low fiber diet, the diversity of their intestinal bacteria plummeted. And four generations of mice later were affected because the losses were irreversible. So we know this. There are other studies that basically show this. So like, let's talk about what you feel. When you reduce carbohydrates and you feel better, it's probably because you're not digesting them well. And why don't you digest carbohydrates well is because of certain gut bacteria that are already overgrown that are creating issues with the digestion of the carbs, essentially. Okay. So when you reduce it, sometimes you'll feel better. Like this is a really common phenomenon for someone to be like, oh, I feel good for a while. And then it changes and then you don't feel good anymore. So what's supposed to happen in the gut is you're supposed to use fiber. I mean, like Dr. Arthur Frankel talked about this in his oncology podcast. They talked about this mice study that they did where they massively increased plant foods and fibers and the successful outcomes in their chemo stuff was like astronomical. He replicated a study of one of his colleagues and he like fed 250 mice by hand. And it was cute for him to like talk about it. But he said, I didn't even try to submit the results because it was like they were so significant that he didn't think anyone would believe him. So here's what's supposed to happen in the gut. You're supposed to be able to digest your fibers, and then your body's supposed to use those fibers and make short-chain fatty acids and heal itself. That's what's supposed to happen. So if you can't digest, it basically creates a whole lot of problems. Now, she had had a couple recent stool tests where it showed just really terrible low bacterial diversity. And our goal long-term is like lots of good, good bacterial diversity. Now we could apply this to other diets as well. Keto is also high fat, moderate protein, 
and very low carb. So similar thing. I actually had a recent client and she came to me grain-free because when she went gluten-free, her skin looked a lot better. Then she went grain-free or AIP paleo. And when I got her stool results, it was really low, good bacteria diversity. And essentially she'd been without really trying to be kind of keto because she'd eliminated all grains from her diet. So you see a really low positive diversity. Now this is like the analogy of a parking lot. I think Kelsey Kinney talked about the parking lot analogy when she talked about prebiotics. When you have low diversity, you have like kind of a half empty parking lot. You know who's going to move into the parking lot? Like you got to need to fill it up. So bad stuff is going to fill in if you have an empty parking lot. So this can be similar when people go grain-free or paleo or AIP paleo. It can be the same thing. So if it works for a while and then seems to stop working, it's because like if you're having bacterial dysbiosis and you reduce the food for it, the natural shift is when you go grain-free is like now you're eating a lot more whole foods most likely. And then if that stops being very effective for you, it's like, hey, did you really address the problem or did you just like eliminate foods from your diet? Because long-term severe eliminations are not really what we're looking for. Like we want a really diverse, healthy diet, like awesome fibers, which is a more whole food diet. But if you have to continue to reduce, reduce, reduce forever, there's probably something not working quite right. I'm going to give you a couple more examples. The other day, someone asked me in a call, is there a test for salicylates and oxalates? Because she's from California. She did a, done a bajillion tests, which is a really California thing to do. And there is a book, Karen Fisher's book called The Eczema Diet, and it's really like low salicylate, low raspberry, et cetera, aspirin's a big source of salicylates. Anyway, so I would say these are natural food chemicals. Oxalates kind of feel like a sharp crystal. And the root cause there is on the organic acids test, you can see if oxalic acid is high, but the root cause of elevated oxalates is fungal overgrowth. So reducing oxalates, which is so like lame and you could never keep all this crap straight, sucks because it's not really the root cause. So for some people that are really symptomatic, maybe they need to reduce it really short term. That's what I'll do is I'll tweak things short term with the knowledge that this is not a long term thing. Similarly, with salicylates, like if you can't metabolize this properly, why is that? And it's usually something going on in the microbiome. Very same thing with histamine, another natural food chemical. Histamine, you've seen this. It's like very common with like chronic rashes. There's a predisposition. So if you have a predisposition to allergies, and then there's the exacerbation and then how it's metabolized. So basically, good gut bacteria allows it to metabolize properly. Good liver function allows it to be eliminated properly. So this is something I address constantly in practice. So thank God for podcasts again, because they give me the opportunity to tell you a little bit more to the story rather than like, does this just fit in one sentence? And then the last thing I want to say that I think is important to just mention is that what do people usually do with fat diets? And I'm not saying these are fads necessarily, but we usually do them for a while and then abandon them. And this is like a new realization that I've come to in terms of one of the reasons that people really like them for a while is because they feel like there is good community around that. And people are really looking for community, even in their food choices, which is really interesting. And that goes beyond the nourishment standpoint. It goes to like the emotional aspects. And I think this is another important part is, do you have first a healthy relationship with food? How did you grow up? Did your mother like her body? Did you grow up around diet? 
diety like it was everything around you always dieting those are hard like when i have a conversation with someone you can kind of realize that their food relationship is not good right away and that's always one of the first things we're trying to improve or i'm not gonna do something to make their food relationship worse or that's never the goal we always want to be trying to patch and repair food relationships because this is quite a big long-term problem anyway that's how different diets affect microbiome and what's going on inside i hope that was helpful have a great day You know, I've really spent some time reflecting on my own phases of burnout this year and past years, and I know I'm not the only one that has gone through or goes through these peaks and valleys. And while sometimes you need lows to appreciate the highs in life, some valleys are pretty difficult for both your mind and your body in a very literal physical way. This year, I'm feeling really pulled to help others work through burnout, nourish their adrenals, mind, body, and spirit, and have some incredible things in store to help you feel refreshed and renewed. I invite you to take my quiz, Are You Approaching Burnout?, to assess your stress resilience and find out more about how to help you overcome it. Go to kristabigler.com forward slash burnout to take that quiz, and it'll also be in the show notes.